Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm Ellen Parson, editor in chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with some folks to actually talk about the focus of another industry podcast out there. Electrical contracting firm Rosenden recently partnered with construction materials company Granite to explore the challenges of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the construction industry in a new series of podcasts called Construction DEI Talks. Today, I'm going to be talking with the hosts of this podcast, Stephanie Rolden, Rosenden's Director of Lean Culture, and Jorge Quesada, Granite Vice President of Inclusive Diversity, to discuss some of these challenges as well as possible solutions. ECNM On Air is one of the many new benefits available to our members-only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand-selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop-down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check out our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves briefly today before we jump right into our discussion. Stephanie, would you like to begin? Yeah. Ellen, thank you for inviting me. Uh, my name is Stephanie Roldan. I'm, the, I'm Rosenden's Director of Lean Culture. I'm actually an electrician by trade, so I started in the field, and then I worked my way up through Rosenden doing project management, all the way to where I currently sit, um, leading our people initiatives and our continuous improvement efforts. And so um, as part of that, that's what you know I bring to the podcast that you mentioned, Construction mm-hmm. DEI Talks, is that real um, experience of having lived a life in construction. Wow, awesome. And my name is Jorge Quesada, uh, and I'm the Vice President of Inclusive Diversity here at Granite. And I got to tell you um, that, you know, I've heard Stephanie give that introduction of herself or introduce herself that way. And and this is is the reason why, you know, in the early stages of coming together with our Construction DEI Talks, uh, our podcast, it was so important for us to have Stephanie's voice in the room. You know, uh, we had met um, initially and started thinking of ideas and how we can amplify the discussion around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when Stephanie tells her story at Rosenden and the great work that they're doing, um, I thought, man, if we could partner up and bring our superpowers together, we're going to do something really special. So it's always great to hear Stephanie share her her story, and and, and hopefully we can get the, the story out more. Definitely, definitely. So now that we know a little bit more about our guests, let's get more into the into details and get started. So you all you launched this first episode on October 21st. How many of those have you done so far? And then we can talk about, you know, why, why now, why this happened? Yeah, so we actually have uh, two that have been fully released. We've got our third one coming in, uh, in about a, another week tomorrow, or so. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Wow, it's boy, tomorrow, December went yes. fast. It's so yeah, dropping, so, yes. so we'll have our third one drop um, this week. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, it's a relatively new podcast, but we felt like it needed to join the space, in, in particular for our industry. So, you know, we've been keeping a monthly cadence, um, but truthfully, this information and knowledge, people are thirsty for it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Jorge and I are discussing what strategic moves would we we'd like to, to make to, to get people the information they really need. Okay. Yeah, you know, that cadence is going to be important because the, the feedback that we're getting to, to Stephanie's point is they want to learn more. And, and so we're thinking about going, you know, twice a month 
uh, in that, that biweekly cadence. And, 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 and we just feel real, it, we felt like it was important. You know, one of the things Stephanie and I have been in, in various committees, associations, and everyone's been having this conversation and it appears to be very esoteric within that group. So oh. everyone's just talking about it. And we thought, you know, you know, as a practitioner, we talk about having good intent, right? And so when you have good intent, it can either stay in your heart or in your mind and you never take action. And we thought it was up to us to really take that action. And we thought that through a podcast, we could do that. And to amplify this, 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 what we want people to know, be, and do around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. So, I, I mean, these issues have obviously been here forever. So can you talk about a little bit about like why introducing it now and what listeners should expect to get out of it? Kind of, you know, how that came to, to fruition. You know, if folks go to our first episode where we had, you know, our CEO, Kyle Larkin, and Rosa Den's CEO, uh, Mike Greenewald, talk, we are in the middle of an opportunity, especially with this infrastructure bill that just got passed. But also, we have less people coming into the industry, more people leaving. So we have to think about what other talent pools are out there. And we may have to bring in talent that currently our industry is not comfortable with, meaning more Uh women or going and and bringing in more people of color and just being more open-minded about Uh um, what's possible. And then also being intentional about the environment that we wanna create around being inclusive, uh, creating a belonging environment, and then ultimately having an equitable environment where people can succeed. So I, I thought that was really powerful that in our first episode, both CEOs hit that one hard about this is the why okay. um, in, in construction. Stephanie, mm-hmm. any, any, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Jorge covered that pretty well. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty well known that over the last, I would say 30 years, right? Women haven't moved the needle beyond our 9.3%, sometimes 9.89% that <laughs> we occupy some space in the, the construction arena. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and that like, hovering around 10% is, is all women. So that, that includes engineers, designers, um, you know, those that don't work with tools. And then we get into the tool space where we're actually physically in the, the workspace building stuff. And we're at like 3%, right? right. And up and down. So when you think about, you know, we make up roughly, you know, 49, 50% of the population plus or minus, right. Mm-hmm. one way or the other, <laughs> and we are not present more than 10% for the last 30 years, there's a huge opportunity for us to tap into that pool to begin Absolutely. with. But it requires us to change the way that the work looks a little bit and the way that we talk about the work, right? It can't always be assumed that it's brute strength that's gonna get this work completed. In fact, we have so much technology now coming into all of the work. Even, even when we think about what Jorge's um, teams are doing when it comes to sort of the groundwork, right? They have technology now too that would allow anyone to participate, but that's not entering the conversation. And that's where we need to start letting people know that it's not old school construction anymore. Yeah, right, definitely. So Stephanie touched on this earlier, but Jorge, if you could join in as well, like kind of what brought you both to this point, considering your backgrounds and experiences, she touched on that already, but that brought you two together, you know, to do this really important work. You know, thanks for that question, because I. Truly what happened was, I think there was a moment where Stephanie and I like wanted to take action. And we knew that 
we could only touch so many people at a given time, especially during a pandemic. If you think about it, right? Uh-huh. This, this is the type of work where you go shake hands and kiss babies, right? You go right. visit people. And, and, uh-huh. and what you want to do is you want to connect with them. You want to let them know who you are so that they can, you know, they can feel comfortable around you. Okay. So we had to like pivot. And how do we do that? And, and one of the things that Abby Combs, another co-host of ours on, on, on our podcast, was somewhere she read it, Stephanie. I don't know if it was in the, her morning reading or something. And she said, you know, if we do this podcast, let's play the long game and let's think about, let's not worry about just 20 people downloading our stuff because that's kind of like a meeting. If it's a hundred people, that's like a all hands event. But man, if we can get 300 people and that was our thinking, if we can get 300 yeah. people, we're close to 500 now. So uh-huh. listening to our podcast, it's like us being at a conference every month. And, and, and when she said that, we said, let's go, let's stop. And then we realized very quickly, you know, here at Granite, we have an internal podcast, so we know enough to be dangerous, right, about podcasting. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden we realized, okay, we didn't know a lot about podcasting. So we had to go hire, you know, a producer to help us with it. And so once we got comfortable with, we had someone that can teach us, give us wisdom on how to do this work, we knew Stephanie has her story, but we also have the stories of our employees at Rosaden and at Granite. How do we amplify it? And then all of a sudden, we have subject matter experts that are talking about diversity and inclusion in a whole different way. You know, if episode two, uh, Vicky O'Leary, um, you know, if I, I encourage folks to go listen to it because if you want to know what women go through in the construction industry, that is a very powerful. I sat there and just listened as a male. I just sat there and I thought, you know what? I can't walk around here thinking I know what women think. I just can't do that, right? And, and so that podcast taught me a lot and just the, in the engagement. So I share that with you because I think that's, that's where we connected. It was in the action. We wanted to make impact at a time when we knew we, we needed a different modality to communicate our thinking and what we wanted to do with the EI in a safe space. Obviously, there are a lot of challenges, but what would you say, could you pick out one or two of the biggest challenges facing the construction industry when it comes to DEI? I mean, that's hard to do, but like, what, what are the main pushes, you know, to start with? You know, let me jump on that one real quickly. And then I'm going to turn over to Stephanie um, because she has a great way of communicating this piece for us. Um, I will tell you that the analogy I could give you when I was 15, 16, man, I wanted to be 21, right? So bad. And I think as an industry, um, I think we want to do the things that have companies have been doing for 10, 20, 30 years, like an IBM, like a yeah. Pepsi, right? Um, and, and we have to understand that we have to crawl, then we have to walk, and then we can run in this space. So the cadence is so important. We can't get into um, having celebrations if internally the people aren't feeling like okay. this thing called DEI. We still are learning about what, the, what diversity means. Mm-hmm. what equity means, what inclusion means. D- diversity is broader than gender and ethnicity. So we have to think about you know, the diversities, the diversity dimensions that we have today and celebrate those in our companies, but also prepare ourselves for the diversity that we're gonna bring in and then be open to thinking about what does an inclusive environment look like? So I think we're still building, you know, how ironic that we're in construction and we talk about building a strong foundation, right? Right. We have to build a strong foundation and build up. 
Right. And I, like you pointed out with the, the new people coming in and the worker shortage and finding this new group of people. And that makes it even more complicated mm-hmm. to try to include everyone. Yeah. When, when Jorge, Jorge and I started sort of our early discussions and what Jorge hasn't mentioned is that his background is actually in insurance, right? So it's very different than construction. And so when I first started mentioning our starting point of construction, he, he was like, that, that can't be real that that's where we're at. Like that, that should be like the minimum standard already. Right. And I was like, no, or mm-hmm. like you can still go into a, a Porta John and find the most demeaning things written on a wall and know or feel like you don't belong here. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a reason why women have their own bathroom that has to be locked up because we can't even get to like human decency existing for all. Right. Like, uh-huh. so that's, that's our starting point. And so we had to have a lot of discussions about the speed of construction and to his point versus the speed of maybe some of those high-tech companies where this has existed for okay. 20 or 30 years. And then, yeah. and then having a discussion like Jorge, rem- rewind it back to where, where you guys were 20, 30 years from there. And that's where we have to start at. And, and okay. that's where we have to live in grace and compassion and understanding. And then also understand how the individuals already in an organization might feel as though we're coming for them when we're not coming for them. Mm -hmm. We're trying to go find more opportunity for others. And so things are going to slowly shift and we're just going to have to, to find the balance for, yes, you're still vital and key and you belong here. And oh, by the way, they belong here too, because at some point you're going to want to retire and we, we've got to just keep filling this up. And when you know, you're already thousands and thousands of workers short. Mm-hmm. You don't have another choice but to go and find other talent pools. And really, it's like showing appreciation for those that are already here who have already done that hard work for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in some cases, and then preparing them for, for the shift of who's coming next. And truthfully, finding that space where they can see both sameness and difference and appreciate difference. Because the truth is, is our podcast probably wouldn't be as successful as it is is if Jorge and I didn't appreciate the very difference that exists between us, right? His background in a, a pro- probably a more progressive type work and space with the ENI work and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and my experience down in the field with the people who've done the work and understanding the dynamics in that culture. I think that's where we need to help others to realize that you can have not only sameness and difference, but that can be the superpower. Wow. That is, that was such a good summary of what is actually going on and just showing that the, the two sides of how far it can be from one, one place to another. Um, and, and, you know, and, but, but if I could just jump in here, because I think, you know, a company like Rosaden, um, it's important to call out the environment that they've created also, right? because, so I don't want to paint the, the entire industry with the same brush of we're at a basic or awareness level. Mm-hmm. You know, Rosaden is doing some things that are beyond that awareness that they're starting to integrate some of the stuff with, you know, like Stephanie's talking about lean, so, you know, safety, like we at Granite, you know, when we talk about psychological safety, when we say speak up, listen up, if you really understand what that means in the environment you're trying to create, you're, you're creating psychological safety. You're already, you're already practicing this, the DEI aspect of it. So it's, 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 I, again, I don't want to paint everyone with the same brushes, like we're starting anew, but, but there are some companies that are doing some really innovative things in this space to accelerate. And I'll tell you why. Not only the, the, this, this, the last 24 months around co- the COVID, we had to change the way we did things, right? We were working at companies that said, you can't work from home. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, guess what we're doing? 
we're working from home and we're working from home really well, right? Um, and then at the same time, we have new entrants into our companies that are coming in with different thinking about their environments that they're from and saying, I, I have a high expectation. I don't have hope right. anymore that we're gonna, that are the companies gonna do DEI? I have an expectation. So right. you have to meet that new you know, um, group of people where they're at. And so you also have to think you know, with a little bit of foresight on what this could look like. So um, yeah, I, I, always, I always appreciate Stephanie's perspective because I, I, not, not that I polarize, but I'm also shocked, right? How far we still need to go. But I'll, I'll amplify when someone is doing something really well, like Rosadin and Granite. Definitely. I know we, we spoke with the Rosadin uh, female engineers. I did a podcast with them previously. So I know exactly what you mean, that everyone's not on the same level. So um, that's good to point out. I do. I, I'm kind of going on what you were saying about the new people coming into the industry. Not necessarily, it doesn't matter what age they are, just the fact that they're coming into the new industry. Um, you see that with, with people now, as opposed to, let's say when we were young and, you know, getting our first jobs, you would never speak out and say something like, oh, well, this is just how it is. And this is how I have to work. And I'm not going to speak up because I'll lose my job or what have you. And the, the newer people seem to have, like you say, these expectations, like, no, this is what I want. And this is what I expect. And that is a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I read the same Dr. Zeus books that my kids read, right? <laughs> um, but but Dr. Zeus and the cat in the hat, um, if I, I'm going to quote the cat right, you know, the cat <laughs> said, why fit in when you were meant to stand out? Mm -hmm. and, and I think kids, you know, young adults have grown up in an environment now where we, we as parents have taught our kids to stand out. I agree. To be brave, to have courage to be able to speak their mind. And the irony is, is that this is what companies have struggled with around innovation. If uh -huh. you think about innovation, you have to speak up, you have to disrupt, you have to be uh -huh. willing to bring your voice to the table. You know, you can't go to a, a meeting on innovation and the person who's leading the innovation says, okay, we want your ideas. And as people start saying them, it's like, no, stop. We're gonna give you the ideas now, right? That, it doesn't work that way. And so, you know, you, culturally, I think we just need to understand that. So do you think there are, uh, this is a harder thing to talk about. Um, are there certain current practices that you think are holding the construction industry back more than others? Or is it just a general mindset that needs to change or probably both? Mm. I, I think there might be a little bit of both. I, okay. I mean, something that, something that rings out very like clear in my mind is, what we do for networking. Okay. Um, and, and if you just think about how, you know, they say like 30% of, of you getting a promotion is like what you can actually do. And then the uh, like other 30 is yeah. like who sees you, right? And so yeah. if I think about the fact that, you know, if we're predominantly male and men feel more comfortable taking other young men to lunch, then they're the ones getting the time with the directors and the vice presidents and the whoever else might potentially put their name into the room, right? Mm -hmm. So then I think about like, what do we normally have for team builders? They're usually like golf or their time at a bar after work. And it's mm -hmm. like, some of us have responsibilities. And this actually goes now, the more and more I see it to Jorge's point with this younger generation, they drink less, right? So 
they don't find themselves male or female at a bar. That's not, that's not something they normally do as an activity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we're not thinking about how are we getting people exposure to each other so that the name can actually be spoken in the room as a potential, it starts to limit our possibilities. So I, I think of that practice, right? Like, are we being sensitive to mm-hmm. how we, even how we appreciate our customers, which frankly, recently we've, we've pushed the envelope a little bit and finances allowed to, you know, for you to say, just know your customer and then we'll make that choice. So we've had spa days now we've had, you know, like Manny Petties, which, you know, 10 years ago, they'd have been like, we're not approving a Manny Petty. Yeah, like, they'd what, laugh what? you out of the room. Garrett. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't happening, but starting to recognize that not all of our customers are the same. They're very different people. And now we can make a tailored approach to knowing that person and making them feel as though we appreciate them. We care for them. They are seen. That's so a I, good point. Really, and, and, you know, and to build on what Stephanie, because that's a, it's a great way for me to jump and say this is to say that for me, it's a mindset. I go to that right away when you ask the question, because I think in our industry, you know, if I don't think a hundred years ago, a bunch of men got together and said, Hey, why don't we start a company and let's start a company and not include women. And, you know, don't bring any people of color like to this company. Cause it's just going to be us white guys. Right. <laughs> like, I don't think that's what they said. But at the same time, you mm-hmm. think about the roads that needed to be built. You think about the bridges that needed to be built. There wasn't a lot of women raising their hand, I don't think, or I wasn't around, but I don't think saying, hey, I want to go crush rock. I want to go build PCH in California. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I think over time, what has happened is things just evolved. And, and, and these men said, hey, like, well, you didn't pay this bill. And, and, and they said, no, it was your turn. Well, you know what? I'm not good at this, but you know what? My sister is really good at accounting. So let's bring her on board. And then down the road, hey, my wife is really good at filing, but let's not hire my wife. Let's hire someone like my wife. And we started, and then all of a sudden you had people, men doing the work, men leading and women in the background, right? And, and as that evolved, I think we forgot that like women can lift things just like men women have phenomenal brains and can do some incredible thinking and why not bring them into the mix and and i think in the in the space that we're in now i really believe that as we like like our ceo said in our, our first episode we need to think of all the talent pools than than what we're used to because we're not the traditional pipeline is shrinking and so how do we create stronger pipelines we have to go to different places so to me, it's like we have to think different that a woman could do this as opposed to, no, my daughter or my wife couldn't do this and make a decision based on how I'm feeling, not mm-hmm. how Steph, what Stephanie could bring to the table. That's, right. I think, the so that's why I go to mindset first, that okay. I think we need to check it first. So mm-hmm. I hope it makes sense. Yeah. Sure. So I guess from an employer standpoint, so, you know, Stephanie, would probably be able to address this because Rosenden is one of our readers in the big electrical, very, very large electrical successful contracting firm. So going from the big company, obviously down to the little company that it's obviously a different um, approach, but how, how do you better identify these, some of these biases and create inclusive workplaces? um, And how do you, maybe start those uncomfortable conversations that need to happen to ensure that all of the workers are feeling valued like that. It seems like such an enormous task. It, 
at least in my mind, it seems very difficult to grasp about how to attack that. So, I mean, where do you start with that? So, so I think the first part is uh, mentioning scale, because I don't know that scale plays into the actions you need to take, right? So we, okay. always, think big, we always think bigger companies are going to be able to do this so much better because they have mm-hmm. an enormous amount of capital. It doesn't take an enormous amount of capital to have conversations if you're willing to get into the space. And, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why Jorge and I created this podcast, because okay. it, could be, it could be used by a large organization that needed some additional knowledge and wanted to know how others were doing practice, or it could be the one man or one woman shop that's like, I'm ready to hire my next person, and am I checking my biases before I hire my number two, right? Okay. So it, it's really whether or not, and here's the thing is I think it takes prepping yourself first, because you have to know that you've got to work on yourself. You, you have to know who am I, what, what biases trigger me, h- how am I seeing the situation, wh- when am I comfortable speaking up and when am I not comfortable speaking up, and how do I get more comfortable if, if I'm not you know, yeah. comfortable with that, and then knowing how to regulate through the conversation. So am I, am I able to currently provide grace and compassion for those who make a mistake? And if someone apologizes and say, you know, I'm sorry for, and that's the end of the apology to accept it and be able to move on. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do that one by one. So, you know, you don't have to tackle, like, for example, we have five or 7,000 people. So it is going to be a, a larger effort if we want everyone to have sort of the baseline knowledge of where we want to be in 10 years. But it really just starts with one. And to Jorge's point, if, if we get five people in a room, that's a meeting, we get 20, that's a, you know, small you know you just got to start where you really are and not be afraid of 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 going there and and picking and choosing I mean just starting just start yeah (laughs) just starting is the first part of it because there's a lot I hate to say this there's a lot of fear right now because we've polarized a bunch of language yes we've taken a bunch of terms that people weren't aware of and then we've somehow incited like emotion to these words when they're not really emotional words Mm -hmm. they're just practices and, and now people are like, nope, I, I don't, I don't want any part of yeah, that. I'm not you know, going there. I'm mm-hmm. not going there. And I have conversations all the time where I, somebody will pull me in an office and they'll just say, Hey, I have a question and I'll answer it and we'll talk through it. And they go, I, I find it so amazing that in this work, it's sort of middle balance that I'm like, well, what did you think it was going to be? And, and it's because they're getting the outside environment yeah. to put it on one end or the other. It's mm-hmm. not, it's simply a discussion. And I tell people all the time. Just because you have a reality and I have a reality does not make either one of us right or wrong, right? My experience is exactly what I experienced and you don't have to invalidate my experience and I don't have to invalidate yours. That is exactly how life was lived out for each one of us. Right. Mm -hmm. That's so important to understand. I wish everyone did understand that. Yeah, Um, And you know, if, if, uh, if I can just build on, on what Stephanie just said, because a great book for someone to read without anyone knowing that you're reading it. It's, you know, it's Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. It's a really great book, both for men and women to, to pick up and read. And one of the quotes, actually, I think it leads one of the chapters, if I remember correctly, it's by a gentleman by the name of Minucha Shafiq. He's the director of um, the London School of Economics. Okay. And, and the reason why I, I'm, I'm focusing on this is because I want to build on what Stephanie just said. The quote basically says this, in the past, jobs were about muscle or muscles, okay? Oh. 
Now they're about brains. So in the information society and stuff like this, think about AI and stuff like that, right? But in the future, he says, they're going to be about the heart. And, and, and a lot of this gets to, we're all good people. And we all say that we're good people. Mm-hmm. The question becomes, what do you do with that goodness? If it just stays in your heart and in your head, right? And especially if you're polarizing, you're in your echo chamber, you don't want to hear from someone else. Right. The solutions that when Stephanie, you know, gives you that example on one side or the other, the solutions to some of our problems are right in the middle. So we've got to go towards the solution. And we can't feel like if we can't, we can't allow ourselves to get become victims of if I take a step forward towards the middle, someone cancels me, or if, or if I take, you know, get closer to Stephanie and trying to find a solution, someone kicks me out of the club, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what we've created, the environment. Right. And so I think we have to be really mindful of what's really in our heart as good people and really take action on that. Yes, definitely. Good point. So as far as where to start, we were talking about that. And obviously you want to create a company culture, a complete company culture that is positive. Um, But that's way easier said than done, obviously. So how do you specifically start with that? Do you, um, you talked a little bit that like start anywhere, obviously, but do you, um, you know, is, is it a collaborative approach with HR, with executive management, with, you know, it has to go all the way down the chain or this isn't going to work. Yeah. We started in Rosen and we started with uh, inclusion being sort of the North star for us. Right. And in okay. Jorge's company, it's the same. And I think that's sort of what we built on in, in common together. Okay. And when you think about that, it means that everyone in the company has to be on this ride together. If, if we are not including all of the voices, everything from upper management, joining our, our DEI committees and our committee being, you know, robust in, you know, where are we coming from in the company? Because here's the other thing, every state, every city, every office has its own culture and knowing and understanding what that looks like, feels like, because, you know, what belonging feels like in one office might feel a little bit different in the other, just on where we are. But there are very simple basics that we can all agree on that allow people to feel like they belong and and then then we can start looking at what else do we need so some of the things that we did were were in fact very like process oriented and based on what did we need to start building a pipeline of talent right mm-hmm. so we had this we had this world in which uh, here's here's an early example that happened in 2020 we had something known as leadership academy well no one actually knew how anyone got into leadership academy outside of if you knew someone high enough in the company, mm-hmm. you could get selected and seen as a future leader of the company, and then you might get selected and you could get in. Well, in 2020, we said, we're, we're done with that being the way you get in. We're going to allow for self-application and self-selection. So if you feel like you could help lead this company and we have not seen you, you are free to apply and we need your training records, right? So, so you need to be swimming towards us. So are you getting trained? Are you, you know, taking advantages of the services that we already have here? Um, show us some initiatives you've worked on because maybe we don't see you and you're doing all of these things like coaching and mentoring and you're building our future and your, your voice, you know, your name's just not entering the mm-hmm. consciousness of others. Right. That class, there was over 110 applications. It is the most diverse class we've ever had in terms of uh, people of color, 
and women with 20% representation of women. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so there true. are small things you can do within your companies that mm-hmm. can begin changing how you're doing business and how you're operating. And you wouldn't it have is. even said, okay, this is a DEI initiative. Like that's just a small mm-hmm. thing you said, this is common sense. Yes. And, and you know, and, and to build on that, because I think that's such an excellent example um, the Neuroleadership Institute really has broken it down to how do you create change? Um, you create change by looking at your priorities, looking at your systems, and then ultimately, what are your habits? So in the story that Stephanie just shared with us, they made it a priority. So it's our core value. It's something in, in Rosaden's DNA around inclusion. You know, at Granite, it is one of our core values, as I said. So that's a priority. When you look at the systems, she talks about how do you get into the leadership academy? Now, what you're doing is you're creating the habits of asking people to swim towards people, right? Swim mm-hmm. towards the, you know, and, and, and fill in this information. Give. So if you can focus on those three things, you can create change. You can, can make an impact. And so I like to take it, I like to like bring it up all the way up and just say, what are the priorities? What are the systems that we need to take a look at? And what habits, what new habits do we want to create? because I wanna keep it simple. Uh-huh. It's already complex. Right. The co- discussion around diversity, equity, and inclusion, I don't wanna complicate it. Uh-huh. So I wanna keep it simple. Yeah, that makes total sense. So let's just, okay, big picture then, um, looking five to 10 years from now, what do you both think the industry will look like, hopefully look like, as more and more companies introduce these types of practices at their companies? So thank you for that question, because if I was to look 10 years out, we're going to know that um, women can be in, in, in construction and be successful at it. We're going to have some, we already have CEOs, by the way, in the industry that are women, Sure. Um, but we're going to have more women leaders. We're going to have more young women thinking, you know what, I want to build cool stuff. I want to go into construction. I, I think there's young women today that want to play with Legos and we stop them. Mm-hmm. They want to build really cool things. They want to build radios. They want to build bridges. And we see them in, in high schools where the competitions, some of the competitions, some of the best bridges I've seen, right, were built by young women. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 years from now, I, I think we're going to be celebrating how inclusive the environment is, but it can't be um, um, just one, two, you know, 20 companies doing it. It has to be an entire industry. And, and this is why we felt it was important to get the word out and amplify it. But that would be my vision 10 years out, that we would have a more um, equitable, inclusive, belonging environment and more diversity within the industry itself. Yeah, and, and for me, I think it is that the construction industry is a vital option for anyone starting at the moment that we talk about what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I think there is an environment we've built where, unfortunately, and I was I was guilty as a parent where we said, you know, you're, you're going to go to college and that's how you're going to be successful. And here I am in construction, having started my career in an apprenticeship and then mm-hmm. ultimately come back to college at a later date. But I think we, I, I would like for construction to sort of not just be the, it's the last option for you to be, but rather a, a viable option from the beginning where we're discussing, hey, you can, you know, you can graduate high school and you can go to college, you can go into a vocation or a trade, or you can go into the military. And from day one, 
any one of those options is available to anybody who would like to select it, choose it, want to join. And that be just an okay conversation for a parent to have and them have zero apprehension that for any reason, their child doesn't belong there. It's not safe for them. It shouldn't be where they go. Definitely. Right. And then at some point when you look at like Jorge was mentioning those competitions with students where maybe we as a group of people look at them and don't think, oh, well, isn't that nice? The females are doing well. Like it's not even an issue anymore. That would be the goal where you don't look at it that way and say, oh, wow, that that girl is good at that. Cool. Well, and it's interesting because when I because I do participate in ASC, um, it happens every February in Reno. Mm -hmm. And and my statement has always been the teams with a woman always do better than the teams without them. Mm -hmm. So, right. Remember that. It, it, remember <laughs> that if you, if, if you want to do well, there's something about that dynamic in that sure. environment that is mm -hmm. much healthier. And mm -hmm. so that's what I'd like to see is we now recognize that if we just do this with, you know, without some variety, without some diversity, right, together. we're not going to be as successful as we would be if we were all here together. Well, I just want to thank you both because I think this has been one of the most interesting podcasts we've done. And I just, I'm really inspired personally. And I hope our listeners will, will listen to this and listen to your podcast because it's so important. And I just really appreciate it. It has just been wonderful to talk with you both. And I think we've talked about things that, you know, I personally hadn't thought of. So I, I know that will affect the listeners as well. So where can they find this? Is this just on your websites or it's on um, Podbean or Spotify? Did, so you can, they, yeah, you can yeah. find us on um, whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Um, we'd like to, you know, say that you can go to Apple Podcasts and you can find us there because that's easy. But we're also on Spotify and we're also on, on all the major platforms. Um, you can also go directly to our website at Construction DEI Talks. Okay. And then you can find us on Instagram, Construction DEI Talks and Twitter, Construction DEI Talks. And if, if you're really interested and you want to geek out with us, right, and have fun mm -hmm. and, and learn and have it be a safe space where you can feel comfortable, on LinkedIn, you can uh -huh. go ahead in the Construction DEI Talks podcast. You can find us there as well. Join our group and you'll get all the latest and greatest information on, on what we're talking about our podcast and diversity, equity, inclusion as a whole. Okay, wonderful. I hope we can talk again. And I really, it's just really important work you're doing. And, and I know I appreciate it. And I know the industry will too. And if they don't already know it, they will soon. So thank you guys so much. It looks like we're about out of time today. So thank you so much to our guests for sharing their insight and experiences with us today regarding the quest to improve diversity and equity in the construction industry. And in closing, I'd also like to thank our senior associate editor, Ellie Coggins, for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parson signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the members only portal on our website for more podcasts and other content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thank you and have a great day.